Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me once again on another 10-Minute Leader episode. I'm really excited to show this episode with everyone today. Uh, my name is Ben Duick, and I'm a leadership development trainer, coach, and facilitator, and I'm the founder of Cantera Leadership. Now, if you're watching this or if you haven't watched one of these before, you'll want to know that my goal is to ask guests about leadership and try to keep the conversation to around 10 minutes or so, not because there isn't more to talk about, but to provide bite-sized opportunities for people to learn and hear from others. I'm a big believer in growing by hearing about other people's experiences and what they've learned. So I'm here today. My special guest is the Honorable Kelvin Gertzen, the current Minister of Education in the province of Manitoba. He's also held the title of the Minister of Health, Seniors, and Active Living, and is a member of the Progressive Conservative Party of Manitoba. He was first elected back in 2003. He's served as the MLA for the constituency of Steinbeck ever since then. He's been involved in a variety of roles in his community. He's received the Hope Medal of Honor by the Lions Club of Manitoba. He's also received the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal from the Governor General of Canada. He's married to Kim. He has a son named Malachi. And Calvin, from what I've been able to see on social media, might be one of the most passionate Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans that I know. So, Mr. Gertzen, thank you for joining me for the 10-Minute Leader. I'm so glad you're able to join me today. Yeah, thanks very much, Ben. And I'm, uh, I'm both uh, still thrilled that we're the Grey Cup champions, but really hurting that we're not able to, uh, didn't have a season this year, but optimistic about next year's season to defend that title that we waited so long to get as Blue Bomber fans. Yeah, and if we defend it for another title, it would actually could look like we won it for three years straight if we say champs between, you know, and then see how that goes. But well, we've we've earned that after you know twenty nine years, I think, of waiting for it. I think uh, we've earned it. Now we had to wait that extra year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So as I was saying, you know, I'm going to ask you just a few questions. I sent you a few of them, but we might bounce around a little bit and talk about other things. And, and with all my guests, I ask a small surprise question at the end. That's a fun one. And so we'll see how that goes with everything that we talk about here today. So when, it, when, you talk, when we're talking about leadership, when you consider what that means, how do you define leadership? I mean, it's a difficult concept to define. Yeah. I, I think when I would look at the things that I find most most fulfilling, it, it often points to how you define your own role as a leader. So, you know, I think leadership is really about bringing along the people that you're with, that you're working with, to be the best that they can be. And that sounds a little altruistic, but it really is also quite self-serving, right? Because if you can get the people who you're working with to reach their full potential, then whatever organization you're going to be running is also going to reach its full potential. And so uh, while it, it has the, the feel of being uh, sort of self-sacrificing, it is also very self-rewarding because you don't only feel that reward personally, but it helps your organization when everybody else who's working in the organization can reach their full potential. But that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, you know, to be working with those individuals to find out where their skill sets are, to find right. out where they're feeling rewarded in your organization, where they're not. The other thing that sometimes happens, and it's not a bad thing, but when you develop people to really be the best that they can be, sometimes they leave because they find other opportunities, right, to, yeah. to go beyond what they can maybe do in your own organization. And you need to be able to sort of Put aside that sort of threatening feeling of that, of losing some folks, and recognize that there's a broader concept of leadership, that it's not just in your organization, but it's that broader, how do you develop leaders, you know, more, more globally. And uh, when I look back, some of the most filling things that I've been able to see is people, particularly young people that I started working with in an organization who are now around Canada, leading other organizations and doing great things. I just spoke with one a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was just really thrilled, you know, that he's doing great, doing well in yeah. his organization, being a leader in Canada. 
And while it was a loss for us in our organization, it was a benefit overall. So um, I think that I would define leadership as trying to bring people along to be the best that they can be. Right. I love that. So powerful of a concept. And really, I mean, when you think of what's the worst thing that can happen, they can leave. Well, that's not a bad thing. That's that, that's a good thing. You've empowered them to go make a difference. It would actually be worse if you didn't invest them at all and they, they stuck around, right? That might be a, it, more it, of a problem. It's a, it's a good thing, but it's hard because it can be disruptive sure. in your organization. So you have to be, you know, look at that broader, that broader payoff. Right. Speaking of hard parts of being a leader, what is the hardest part and what is the best part? Of being a leader? You know, I think I sometimes struggle personally with, you know, you know, as a leader, you spend so much time, you know, vision casting and, and, and trying to determine what the vision for your organization is, what the goals are. And, and you spend so much of that time, both during your working hours, but really all hours, right? I mean, it's something that never quite, never quite leaves you. And, and so you spend all of that time doing that, that by the time you're, you're willing to or ready to move forward on that vision, it's so well defined for yourself that it's sometimes hard to, to then communicate that to others within your organization. And so it's important to sort of, you know, work with them in that exercise of vision casting and looking towards the future. Because, I mean, I found sometimes that by the time that we're willing to talk about that sort of future vision, it's so well defined in our own minds uh, as leaders, that it's really tough sometimes mm. and frustrating sometimes that others aren't quite understanding what you're trying, right. to, te- what, trying to sell them. And, yeah. um, and But that's because we work through all of those questions, right? So by the time we're communicating it, we're, we're forgetting all those questions that led us uh, to that conclusion as well. So, I mean, I think that that is, is sometimes really, really difficult. Right. And then, you know, finding people in your organization who don't just, you know, accept the vision but really buy into it and there's a difference so there's a difference between those who are you know just willing not to put up barriers to anything that you're trying to do and those who are really willing to to you know lean into it and push that and finding those those individuals in an organization uh, who are bought in as opposed to not just uh, you know going to stop something so i mean those are those are really challenges what i find rewarding though is when, when you reach that point yeah, in the maturity of your organization, the maturity of your people, that they're willing to challenge you on ideas. And then it really becomes that sort of you know, competition of ideas and that you mm. can get into a meeting and have a really open discussion and people f- can feel free to have right. those, uh, those different ideas and, and, and free to challenge you on that. Then I think you've reached the right level both as a leader and an organization. I always get worried, you know, when you're in a meeting and you ask questions and nobody has much to say because I, I know that the people around are, are, you know, are bright and are intelligent and they have great ideas. And then I get worried that they're just not willing to share those ideas because either you've laid the groundwork too far in terms of how you feel things should be or what the decision should be, or they don't feel comfortable sharing uh, something that might be quite different. And then you have to sort of re recast that and, and recognize that maybe um, you know, you have to reframe how, how the decisions are being discussed. So, but when you get to that point where you, you can sit down with some of the meetings that I've left where you've really had a fulsome debate about an idea and you've crafted a better decision because of that, that's incredibly, yeah. incredibly rewarding. Right. Well, and that actually works really well in transitioning to the next question I had for you, because in your role as being an elected official, which is a unique leadership position in some ways, right? A lot of people have the leadership roles because they've either built their business or because they've you've been hired for that role. And in a way you've been hired, but you've been elected. So it's unique and you have opportunities or these situations where you've got different opinions, different 
viewpoints on certain topics and different policies. How do you navigate that as an elected leader in a way that works, or at least works as best as it can? It's very difficult. I mean, the first thing you have to do is you have to listen to everybody. I mean, you have to be able to to listen to everybody's ideas, their views, their frustrations about things that government is doing, and then recognize that you're not going to be able to satisfy everybody. So, you know, you, you start with that position that Everybody has to have their voice heard, but there's going to come a time when you're going to make a decision that isn't going to satisfy everybody. And you have to be upfront about that with people too, to say, listen, I, I want to hear your views, but it's, we're not going to be able to make a decision where everybody is going to be happy because on any policy decision, you're never going to have a policy where everybody mm-hmm. agrees uh, on something. So then you really trust the process, right? And, and whether that was in health or in education or other roles that I've had in government, you know, you, you look at the evidence, you test the evidence, and then you apply the evidence. And then, you know, as you go along after you've applied the evidence and you've made a decision, you have to be willing to, to step back and recalibrate and go, okay, what's working, what's not working. And if you consistently follow that process, then despite the fact that there might be a lot of people who don't agree with the decision, uh, it gives you a lot of comfort that you made the decision the right way. And that doesn't mean that every decision is going to be the right decision. Uh, there are going to be decisions that even when you follow that process of looking at the evidence, testing that evidence, applying the evidence, where there's still going to be mistakes that are going to be made. And, and you have to be willing uh, you know, to accept that. But I think it's a lot easier when you know that you've gone through the right decision-making process. Right. And when mistakes happen, then you have to go back. And uh, instead of looking to blame people, you try to, okay, how do, we, how do we fix this now? And how do we make it better? And figure out why it, it went wrong in the first place. So that, that's really a big part of it is establishing process, sticking to it. And it's going to make you feel a lot better, I think, when you're uh, making those decisions. I love that because even leaders who aren't in elected roles can still use those principles because no matter what kind of leader you are, there's going to be times where you have to make a decision that may not please everyone. And so trusting that process, having a process, having ways you can walk through things to get that confidence, I think that's, uh, that's excellent. So what kind of advice would you give to other leaders that are out there listening to this? Now, especially I mean, in the midst of recording this, we're in the midst of a pandemic. So what kind of advice would you give to leaders as we navigate through this? It is the most incredibly difficult time, I think, for uh, in our lifetime. There's been lots of other times in, in history, world wars and, and depressions and different sorts of things where people have gone through more difficult things than we're going through now. But in our, in our memory, I think as a society, this is our most difficult time. And so we're learning a lot as, as we go through it. I think my, my biggest piece of advice to leaders, uh, and not just leaders, um, but, but particularly leaders, is you know, protect your family protect those who are closest around you. Because I think what's going to happen is there's a lot of leaders who are straining to get through this and who are really, you know, whether that's in a, you know, a church, a business, a political organization, whatever organization you're leading, they're really pushing to get through this. And it probably is taking a toll on them and those around them that they don't even know. And that they might not know until we get through this, until we get to the other side of the pandemic. And I worry that we're going to see an awful lot of turnover in leadership positions when we do get through this is people sort of make it to the other side and go, I'm done and I need, I need to walk right. away. And I worry that that impacts people's families and people and the people that are close to them as well. And they might not be recognized in the damages doing to them as well. 
So, I mean, I think that the leaders are fully invested in terms of, you know, leading their organizations because they don't have a choice. You know, you're, you're so into this right now that you really don't have a choice but to do anything else. But that often comes at a cost of those who are most close, closely associated around you. And I would really encourage leaders to be mindful of that, to check in with the family, you know, to ask those very pointed questions. How are you doing? And I do that with my, my wife and my son on a regular basis. Like, how are you really doing? And how, you know, what can I do as a member of the family to make this, you know, sustainable? Uh, and that's, that's really, really, really important because I think we can lose that. And when we get to the other side of this, we don't want to be walking away with a lot less than we have. And that can be measured right. in your family and your close personal friends. Right. If you, if you lose everything else, at least being able to stay focused on having your family and your friends still a part of your support circle and supporting them too, right? It goes both ways. Important. Yeah, that's huge. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, and it's uh, based on my own Christian faith perspective, I try to bring that into the opportunities that I have, being in a leadership role that is very publicly prominent, how does your faith commitment relate to your role as a leader? Because I understand you have one and what I've seen. So how, how does that relate for you and how you go about being a leader? Yeah, I mean, uh, as a practicing Christian, I think that, and this would be true, I think, in any positions that people hold, but I, I think particularly for, for myself in politics, and I've been involved in politics, as you mentioned at the beginning, for a very long time, and it's a very unique environment. It can be pretty insular at times. Uh, it can be pretty lonely at times, as you mentioned, it's very much of a fishbowl sort of thing. It can be difficult on the family because, you know, they've, they've signed up for this too in a way, but, but, but not in the exact way that you have. And I think that my, my faith is very grounding for me. It's really easy in, in a political life where it becomes all-consuming and everything becomes about politics and everything can become about, you know, that perception that, uh, that you're trying to put forward. When you have a faith perspective, as I do, and as other believers do, you sort of look past that a little bit and go, that's mm. not really what my focus is on. Not that the job isn't important. It is important, but yeah. it's not the most important and when, when your job, whether that's political or otherwise, becomes the most important thing, I think you end up compromising a lot of things to keep it. And, uh, and that can be a problem. And from a faith perspective, I'm always reminded that my job isn't the most important thing. It's not the thing that I value the most. If I lost it and I lost every, a lot of other things, that would be okay. Because my faith perspective tells me that I'm still holding on to the most important thing. And that is, that is my beliefs as a Christian. So you know, that is, I think, very grounding and it's very, it's very helpful and uh, it's very meaningful. So in, in that way, it, that is the most important thing. It also informs, you know, how you deal with people, right? And how you work sure. with people around you. There are lots of principles within, you know, uh, within the Bible that, that speak to, you know, uh, managing people and treating people appropriately and properly and respectfully. And uh, I think that that, I hope that that infuses, you know, what I do uh, as a leader as well. I don't think I do it perfectly, which is also a biblical principle. But I do think, you know, it, it helps to continue to bring me back to that grounding that you should have and how you, you should treat your job and treat others around you. Well, and I appreciate you sharing that. And hopefully for people who are listening who have a faith perspective, whether it's a Christian faith, I mean, that's one obviously that me and you both prescribe to, but trying to navigate that balance and and what it means for us, uh, hopefully it encourages them. It's encouraged me seeing your interactions, even through social media and through some of the things that you've done, speaking up in the house even and sharing your faith there as well. So thank you for that and for that answer. For people who've been watching these regularly, they will know that I try to wrap up each session with a little bit of a surprise fun question. So I'm going to try one here with you, Kelvin, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, not sure how much of a Disney fan you are, oh. but we're going to say which Disney character do you think would be the most interesting to see in politics? 
<laughs> the most interesting Disney character. Now, Disney owns almost everything these days. So, I mean, yeah. I guess that... Yeah, I know I could get into Star Wars and it could get pretty dark and pretty grim, right? <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, you know, I think Snow White would be interesting in, in politics in that it, it would be interesting to see how somebody who is so pure in heart and pure in spirit could navigate the political world sometime and whether or not they would uh, still be Snow White at the end of it. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see Snow White uh, Snow White in politics. We can all aspire to a little bit of that. That's a great answer. I I, uh, I don't know if I could have predicted what you would have said, but I, I love that answer. Well, I wasn't going to say Darth Vader or anything, right? Because, I mean, that would just play into people's worst perceptions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, Snow White was a good safe answer, too. An interesting one, but still safe enough, right? So, yeah. No, good. I, Kelvin, I really appreciate this. Uh, and thank you so much for spending this time. I know you're a busy guy with all your roles in the government, especially during uh, a pandemic. I, I'm sure even though your your portfolio is in education now, I'm sure you still have lots, uh, lots of stuff that's well, Education is upside down these days too. So uh, thanks for taking some time for this. And uh, for people who are tuning in and watching this, thanks for watching. And I just want to encourage all the leaders out there. This is really a time where we need to step up and where we need to figure out what it means to be a leader. So keep growing as a leader, keep challenging yourself, making an impact. And also, like Kelvin said, don't forget about your friends and family. Make sure you're caring for them during this time as well. Thanks so much, Minister Gertz. Thank you very much.